You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the season is over. Now we start fantasizing about the offseason edition of the Evan Roberts podcast, Brooklyn Nets edition. Believe it or not, next week, we're going to do a New York Knicks edition featuring diehard Knicks fan Brandon Tierney. But this week, it's the team I root for. It's the Brooklyn Nets. And joining me again, a part of the Net crew here at the WFA and CBS Sports uh, Radio Studios is Mike Biseglia, producer of Moose and the Taz. Are you doing that on purpose now? I actually am. Okay, good. Well, I, I respect that. I don't I don't agree with it, but at least I respect it. Well, what's it. the name of the show? Taz and the Moose. <laughs> Taz and the Moose. For the four times I've been on this, you have it backwards every time. Yeah, no, now I like it. I see uh, how annoyed you get. I can imagine how annoyed Taz would get. Well, that's my fear. I just think of him. <laughs> so I go all in on it. Now, I thought it was very important after the net season ended to give it a week to marinate. Yeah, I agree. And just let the season end. Think about what happened in that first round series. Think about what happened in the regular season and start to look ahead. Before we look ahead, and I think we'll do a couple of different previews as we get closer to free agency. Because as we sit here right now, we are still two months away from NBA free agency. And we have a lot of postseason to play with. We have a draft lottery, which obviously doesn't affect the Nets, but affects other teams that may be going after these big free agents. So I want to start with this season. Uh, We came on to preview the playoffs. Mm. We both pessimistically thought the Nets would lose this series in five. Right. The difference I had, I forget what you had, my difference was I thought they would lose the first two games in Philly, win game three in Brooklyn, and then lose four and five. In a weird way, the way it went down made it worse because we got the tease yeah. with the game one victory. Yeah, I initially, when we had the predictions, I had it in six, and then I walked that back, and I decided to go with it in five, but I completely agree with you. That game one was so good. And everything went so right that you definitely got the sense that, okay, it's the first game. At least we're going to six now. We'll figure out a way to win one more. Game two was a disaster. We went to that game. That third quarter was a mess. Game uh, game three, it just never felt like they had control, even though Embiid was in that game, was out of that game. Simmons just had control of it. Nets never really felt like had a shot. They made a couple of runs late. And then that, that fourth game, man, that was the killer, uh, a game that they had control of they had the lead in but you just sensed it nine minutes left six minutes left three minutes left at some point philly's going to take the lead and ultimately they did well philly always responded you know they lose a bad not played well game one the crowd begins to turn on them ben simmons is timid you know joel Embiid has his controversy with the cell phone with amir johnson and then in the first half of game two, they outplayed the Nets and somehow were only up by one at the half. Right. And it felt like that elbow, and I feared this at the time because we made that trip to Philadelphia. I feared that that elbow to Jared Allen could turn everything around. And it actually did because not only did the Sixers get a couple of points out of it, 
because then Rody Karuts got called for a flagrant right after, and that's what actually gave them the lead going into the half. But the third quarter was as awful of a quarter as you'll see, even though the Nets tried to match it throughout this series. And it felt, looking back at it now, and maybe it's easy to say it now, that that elbow by Joel Embiid, and even the Rody Karuts flagrant 30 seconds later, changed everything. Because think about what's going through your mind at halftime. Game two I in remember. Philadelphia. Yeah, I know. It's a game. You made me smile. Right. I mean, we were celebrating only being down by a point, and from that moment on, it went to hell in a handbasket. No, you're so right, because I was with uh, Billy, was at the game as well, who's done a bunch of these podcasts with us here. He's sick today. That's and, why he's not here. And and I was not patient to wait. At halftime, you're a great, great person. Thank at you. At halftime, we went, we got a drink, and we got some food, and we're just sitting there, and I'm going, the Nets are down one. It's the they're up one nothing in this series. I was like, maybe, just maybe, that we're about to witness a miracle here. And then you're right, that third quarter started, and, and I think I've mentioned this to you in the past. What was weird about it, and you see this in NBA games, is because halftime is only 15 minutes or whatever. Fans are not quite in their seats yet. Right, they're right. still getting their foods. They're coming back from the bathroom, and there was like no energy, excitement as the max as it should have been. And Philly just destroyed them. In a four-minute span, and it was it was over. I, I I can't remember a game where I saw where I felt so uh, not, not just I want to say I wasn't um, thinking they were going to win, but I went from we're in this game to no shot. So fa- it was so well it, until we got to game five. I've never seen a run like that. It was well, heartbreaking. Well, we'll get to game five. My big issue from it, and I said it to you guys because we were all at the game. We bought luxury suite tickets for well under face value, which was a great experience. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. I, I will remember that the Mets played the Phillies, you know, a half a block away and actually won that game in yes, extra innings. Right. So there is that positive. Gave something for the drive home. Right. Kenny not calling a timeout was a killer. It was bad. I mean, you've got to do everything you can to stop that bleeding. And it was also the awakening of Tobias Harris, whose name we will mention probably throughout this podcast a little bit later on. So, yeah, the turn of Game 2 and then the opportunity of Game 3. No Joel Embiid, which did come as a surprise a few minutes before game time. They played that uphill battle all game long. They fell behind by 17 in the third quarter, made that run to get it within seven, and were unable to kind of push push the rock up the mountain and then game four was the blown opportunity because game three was a blown opportunity because Embiid wasn't out there, right? Greg Monroe is starting. Game four was a game they controlled throughout. Oh, and I that know. little scuffle that cost the Nets Jared Dudley and cost Philadelphia Jimmy Butler, amazingly to say, hurt the Nets more than it hurt Philadelphia. And I don't think oh, – I felt it in the moment. I was like, man, we lost Jared Dudley. We lost the heart and soul of – this team in this moment, he was the guy that was giving them their emotional spark, giving them toughness, giving them confidence. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, a far superior player, not even close to compare. But there was something about Jared Dudley that day. He had that look in his eyes like, we are going to win this game. I don't care how we get there. I will make sure that it happens. He left that game, and I felt like I lost my blanket a little bit. I, lo- <laughs> I lost that security a little bit, and I was I... worried. There, there were moments they could have used them in the fourth quarter for just a settling I, down effect, and they didn't get it, and I, we, we know what I happened. believe the Nets win that game if Jared Dudley doesn't get ejected. And we'll never, we'll never know the answer to that, obviously, but I thought you're right about the way he played in the first half of this game. It wasn't a fair trade, and that doesn't mean Dudley's better than Jimmy Butler. It just means in that moment, Dudley was more important to the Nets than Butler was to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, 
I have no problem with what Jared Dudley did. He stood up for his teammate. Yeah. He went out and went after Joel Embiid. You know, maybe Jared Allen needs to do that. You know, when Jared Allen's thrown to the ground like a ragdoll, maybe eventually he's got to get up and say, I'm not taking this crap. Well, the two, the two parts of that. One, he turned 21, like, before game Okay, five, what? So he's a baby. He's what young. does that mean? No, it means he's young. And then the it's second part. It's not like Joel Embiid's 35, by and the, the way. Se- and the second part is, that was the fear when they drafted him, that people said he lacked that sort of edgy toughness. Right. And the Nets will tell you, you know, that's not the case. That's not true. But that is something that he's got to get better at. I don't know if it's an intangible fact, so I don't know if that's something that over time can happen or that well, might just be who Jared, Jared Allen is. But you, you would hope that, that he gets a little tougher well, with that. But he is young, so to play off that, I'm just saying 20 years old, I remember when I was 20, it's not easy. And, and I don't know if this is toughness or not, but I am convinced, and you hate to reward bad behavior. It's like somebody that bitches and moans all the time. You give them what they want. But in the NBA, if you flop and if you sell... It benefits you. If you just get up from a dirty hit and act like it wasn't a big deal, which you could say is a toughness factor, that's not going right. to help you. And I think that's what happened to Jared Allen. He got right. Well, no big deal. You just got elbowed in the I face, bro. Part of it. You almost have to sell it. And I don't know if that's something he's going to learn or something he even wants to do. But unfortunately, that's how you get calls. I will say in game five, notwithstanding, because it was such a disaster. But I thought that the Jared Allen we saw in game one was a very different Jared Allen than we thought we saw in game four. I actually think he oh, yes, got, I think he became a better NBA player no question. from what happened in the playoffs. I think he'll use that moving forward, where then he's going into the regular season and it's opening night game against um you know the Hawks and you'll and you'll see a more confident Jared Allen. I, I think he'll learn a lot from that. I experience. think one of the positive than any player on the roster. I agree, and I think he got better as the series went on. There were guys that cost him the series. Joe Harris is the lead guy. And you used to say this throughout the regular season. I mean, it was true. They would go when Joe Harris went. When Joe would hit his shots, the Nets would be very difficult to beat. He did not hit his shots in the series. He had a very difficult time defending J.J. Redick around those screens. And even in Game 5, that helpless game, you're just sitting there saying, he's got to get hot. I know. He made, I think he eventually made a shot. And I thought it was a three, and then yeah, they said it was a long his toe time. was on long. But I do believe that he hit his next shot after, which was a three. Yeah. So he probably got a little more confidence there in the moment. But yeah, he was he was bad. He was good. In, he had a good first half of game one. After that, his three was killed him in game four. His you three mean, wasn't good. He he did hit he did hit the shot that put him ahead in game four, right around the basket, but. They were up six. He had a wide-open three. It would have put him up nine. I can't tell you what the time was now. Probably somewhere between three and five minutes, if I had to guess. Missed that three, and it just it just kept leaving the door open. Did, because we haven't even said this once during the podcast, but I think every Net fan knows, no, our expectations were not that they were going to win 42 games, make the postseason as a six seed, get to the postseason, win a game one, and lose in five. So, yeah, in the whole grand scheme of things, wow, what a year. But did Game 5 take away anything from this season? Because it's not that they just lost in 5. They got annihilated in Game 5. They were never competitive in that game. It was very disappointing at the time. I shut the game off, which I have never done. I never do that with the Nets. Late third quarter, I said, I can't. It's like I'm watching a family member get shot over and over again. <laughs> yeah, it was so it bad. It turned off, too. You did, so yeah. did, did that take anything away from this season or no? I, I, I would... No, I don't think it did. It definitely didn't. I mean, yeah, that game was awful. It was beyond terrible, and I'm surprised by their lack of fight that I saw from them there. But I, I can't take away from the body of work. And if it does, you 
don't let it. I would say because there was just so many bright moments between the Sacramento game, the Houston game, the Orlando game, some of the Celtic games, the eight game winning streak, um, or excuse me, the seven game winning streak. There were just so many positive moments. Even Joe Harris in the three point contest. I know it doesn't count as wins or losses, but it was a moment where the Nets were sort of on the national landscape. So if it does, I would say find a way so it doesn't let you because there were too many bright spots for that to happen. And ultimately, it won't matter with what happens. It doesn't in free agency. matter. I, I wouldn't think. No, no, I, I don't think it matters now. And that leads to this because when this season began, there were some net fans on Twitter who said, let's tank, let's lose. We're better off ending up with a, a top college player. Remember, this was the first year the Nets had their own lottery pick since Derek freaking favors mm-hmm. who they ended up trading for Darren Williams. It's been mm-hmm. that long. I was never a believer in that. My belief is, and I stand by this, win basketball games. Not only because it's exciting, but because if your goal is to attract free agents, the track record in this sport is that free agents want to play for teams that they think have a chance to win. All right? They're not just going to go to a team that loses 60 or 70 games. Now, that may prove not to be true this year with the Knicks. We're going to find out. Everybody seems to think that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are going to the Knicks, and maybe they are, and that would buck the trend. But I'm just saying at the beginning of the year, my thought was win games, I want to make the playoffs, not only because it's exciting, but because it's a great learning experience for these kids, for these young players, and it can't hurt with attracting free agents. It can only help. It can't hurt. Do you feel right now that they have a better shot at free agents because of this season that they had? 100% have a better chance. Now, I don't know if they're quite, if they're at the point where they're going to be in the conversation to sign these big names, but I think they're at the point where the big names will at least listen to what they have to say. I think a year ago today, they're not even getting a sit-down meeting with Kevin Durant. They're not even getting a sit-down meeting with Kawhi Leonard. I think now they're going to get those opportunities. I still don't think they're at the level where they can sign one, unfortunately. That's just my belief instinctually. Well, it's because we're net fans. I think it's just not going to like. I just think it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but I think because of the success they had this year, they're going to at least have their attention to listen to the pitch. And, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe something crazy happens and Kevin sure. Durant's like, let's go, let's do this. Well, this is the thing I'm having a tough time with. I'm a Ned fan, you're a Ned fan. We are not going to sit here and tell you or even believe that Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard are coming here. I don't believe that in my soul, and a part of why I don't believe it is because show it to me. You know, it's one of those yeah. things. I remember when the Mets got to the World Series in 2015, and my partner, Joe Beningo, sitting next to me thinking, bro, we're going to win this series. I said, I can't see it. He said, why not? You don't think they're better than the Royals? I said, I have never seen one of my teams win a championship. It is very difficult to imagine it. God bless you. So it's kind of the same thing with free agents. It's very difficult to believe that a top five player, and both Durant and Kawhi qualify, in my opinion, as top five players we've, in this sport. We've seen that this playoffs. Sure. I, I just, I don't believe it. Now, do I get offended when I hear some in this town say it's a laughable notion right. for a Kevin no, it Durant? Isn't. It's not laughable because if we take our fandom aside, we say, forget it, we're not net fans. We're looking at it independently. And we look at the teams with cap room and say, where will elite free agents go? The Nets and the Clippers, you would think, are at the top of the list. Uh, yeah. But with the Nets, by the way, ahead of the Clippers. So but so our brain should tell us why not, but our heart says we're the Nets, it's not gonna happen. Well, it's an interesting factor too, because the Knicks are in the same town. And there's and that happens with the Clippers and Lakers. But that's typically not the scenario when you're looking at free agents coming to a big market, coming to a market, 
that's had success. So it's weird that the Nets, here's a team at 42 and 40, uh, built off a 28-win season. They've got young pieces. Karis Levert's friends with Kevin Durant because they had the same doctor. T- Tobias Harris has connections with Kenny Atkinson because he's from Long- the, the Long Island connection. They've known each other since he was however old as a teenager. So in theory, you place all of that. Yeah, it should be a no-brainer that this is a, a possible option. But there's this Knicks factor, <laughs> like it or not, that because they're here, but because they're the Mecca, but because this is the place where if you could revive the Knicks, you would be an all-time legend. That does play into it. I mean, if you take the Knicks and move them to Boise, (laughs) you know, maybe Kevin Durant's going to the Nets. But unfortunately, that is here, and they have built their way with this cap space. I I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Um, I I did grow a little frustrated with the. I I, I always like to not bring up the Knicks fan because I like to not compare the two fan bases. They're a factor right now. But I did get a little annoyed at the Knicks fan base when they were like, all right, good, the Nets are out of their way. They had their cute little run. Let's get back to business. I was like, your team has sucked and has been terrible. Like, b- before you get down that road, be careful. Be very careful. So I'm very curious to see how this all plays well, out. Well, I was going to ask you this question, and I think it's kind of interesting, and it's a fantasy question. Right? I admit, because we both just said we don't think an elite player is going to come here because we're net fans. Not because of our brain, but because I'll believe it when I see it. So here's the fantasy question. All right. Who do you prefer? Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard? If both of these elite free agents say, you know what? We're interested in Brooklyn. We got a chance to win there. It's New York City, even if it's not the Knicks. We're both interested. And you are given the choice. You are the king. You are Sean Marks sitting on a throne with both Kawhi and Durant asking to come to Brooklyn. <laughs> don't say, well, I move hell and high water to get both of them. They don't want to play together. No. Okay? No. It's just one no, or I the just, other. I understand. Do you have a preference? I do. And first off, you make it sound like Sean Marks' job is so easy. Oh, you know, <laughs> we got these two. It's a fantasy uh, question. I admit that. NBA Hall of Famers. Which one do you think would work better with the roster? Kenny, get back to me after dinner. I would take Durant. Interesting. Why I would that? take Durant. I think he's just a better player. I, I, I know the age. He's older. Mm-hmm. I think I think Durant has something he wants to prove to people. He he has never been the guy in his city. Uh I think obviously we he clashed with Russell Westbrook. He did not want to play with him anymore. He went to Golden State and he is the best player on the Warriors. But he is not the guy on the Warriors. He's not the he's not in Golden State. Steph Curry is the guy. Right. They love him. You're he right. was drafted by Jeter him. and Arod. He, but it, exactly, Durant's the better player. Yes. And, and without him, they're probably not beating the Rockets this year. Potentially, he's carried them a lot of games. I think he wants to go somewhere where he is the man. And from that perspective, that's why I want Durant on my team. I think he would go in there. Guns a-blazing, ready to prove to people he can win a title, and I think he'd be very motivated and very focused. This is a weird one because we would take either, obviously. I think that that goes without saying. If the Nick fan was not involved in this, if you said, Evan, just eliminate the Nick fan from your mind, my answer would be Kawhi Leonard. And it would be Kawhi Leonard for two very important reasons, three very important reasons. Number one, his age. That is a Big factor. And what, okay, what is it for people? Twenty-eight versus thirty-one. Okay, upon the next season starting, so okay. you're talking about a two and a half to three-year age difference. And Kawhi entering his prime. Correct. I, I believe Kawhi Leonard is in his prime. I believe Kevin Durant is 
about to enter the twilight. I mean, he's going to be 31 years old with a lot of mileage on him, and obviously had that foot issue a few years ago. That's number one. Number two, even though Kawhi Leonard is a very quiet guy, the way he's handled the media, and I get it, it's San Antonio, Texas, and it's Toronto, Canada, he eliminates things. He has not made battles with the media a story. Kevin Durant has. And you can't just tell me, well, because there's a lot of attention on him. What happened in Oklahoma City when he's crying about a headline? Now, the Nets aren't the Knicks. They'll get a lot of attention with Kevin Durant. It won't be as much as the Knicks. It would still be a lot of attention. I kind of look at Kawhi as a guy that fits Brooklyn. He's a grit guy. He's a, I'm going into the sandbox with my tools and I'm going to work guy. He's not a flash and dash guy. And so on this ideal level, he just fits better. He's also a better defender, by the way, too. So those are the reasons why I lead towards Kawhi. The reason why I lean towards Kevin Durant is to stick it to the Knicks fans. I hate to say it because I've been told it's laughable, it's inevitable, it's coming to the Knicks. We don't hear a word about Kawhi. No no one has said anything about Kawhi Leonard. So I should just stick and say Kawhi Leonard, but I want to shove it. I'm sorry. I'm being honest. I want to shove it to the arrogance when they have no business being arrogant. I'm sorry. What what are you hell arrogant about? It's, um... It doesn't make sense to me. I always get confused by that. This like the Nick fan, and they'll tell you, "Oh, we know our team stinks," but they definitely have a sense of arrogance. Maybe it's just around the Nets, and it's not around other teams. I think that has a lot to do. There always is this sense of like, "Okay, who are you guys really?" I mean, come on, stop with this. This is cute. That was a cute little run. That was nice. We got forty-two wins. We're about to get Zion. We're about to get Zion Williamson. I have to remind. I, I hear this all the time. I'm in this stupid basketball league that I love, and there's a Nick fans on there, and they're talking about oh the Zion. This it's like you have a 14 freaking percent chance. <laughs> the odds are against you getting him. Can I just say one very important thing? I don't. I don't want to make it a Knicks podcast. I know. No, 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 no. That's not it. Because the reason why it is important to talk about the Knicks in this context is I think a lot of Net fans we have that little brother syndrome. And I'm being honest with my answer about Durant versus Kawhi that Nick fans are a factor. They probably shouldn't be because I've said all along, I said this two years ago, give me Kawhi Leonard. I would even joke to Joe, you take Kevin Durant, I want Kawhi. I'm a huge fan of Kawhi Leonard. I've always taken him above almost everyone else outside of LeBron. So this is not something new that I created. I've, I've always liked him. I've always been more partial to him. But I admit that the last six months inevitability in this town from Nick fans has caused me to be bitter to say, give me Durant simply so I can stick it to you. But I think this is very important. A lot of Nick fans are not like that. Joe Beningo is not like no, that. No, I, I agree. I know. And I, know. And I think I there know. are a lot of Nick fans that say, hey, we suck. We don't even hate the Nets. I think we hear the arrogant ones because we want to hear the arrogant ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I follow you on that. And I, and I know I'm just, I shouldn't um, lump all Nick fans into that same <laughs> that same spot. Uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is good though. Uh, it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> he is. It's amazing how much we it took to the playoffs where everybody's like, oh wow, wow, Kawhi is really good. Like he can score whenever he wants. He's a sick defender. He can get to any space on the floor that he wants. It, it's remarkable. It's also interesting too that the the biggest need for the Nets is these two superstars that fit where they are perfect. And they're right here. I mean, they, if you were, in, I mean, if you picked another team, I don't know, that has a good four or three, they, their lack at that spot was so obvious mm. in the playoffs. I, I would always think to myself a little bit, I'm like, boy, 
You put Kevin Durant in there. They they ain't losing game four. We need a bucket. Go to KD. Well, I, I think it's it's crazy to think about. I know you could say this with a lot of teams because it's a superstar league, but if you add Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, this team's competing for a championship next year. I mean, you're taking that jump from cute little story to that next level, but that's asking a lot because most teams don't just simply add a superstar. And you see it in the playoffs how important it is to have a superstar. In the regular season, you can get away with it because teams are coming off back-to-backs, moving on the road. But, boy, in the playoffs, if your stars perform well, look at Philly. Butler and Harris turned it on. Too much firepower for the Yeah, Jets. but do you not see what I'm saying about Kawhi? He had the drama for one year yes. where he didn't play, and, and there's the, no doubt. I don't want to ignore that. But outside of that, his entire career has been drama-free while Durant has sort of been the opposite. But I think maybe part of me wants a little bit of drama with Durant. Why? I don't know. It doesn't fit this team. It, I understand This that. is not who they I, are. A part of me wants a little, a little edge, a little anger, a little Durant to come in and uh, piss people off. Okay. Hey, look, uh, I, I'm, I'd be ecstatic if no, they signed him. Of course, you'd now, be like, oh, we didn't get Kawhi. I, I also think, and I want to be fair about this because I've said this to Nick fans, and I feel this way, even though the Nets have a good roster, that Kevin Durant seems like a guy that would be coming here for all the wrong reasons, even the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I don't necessarily think he's coming to the Nets because, hey, we can win a championship. It seems a lot about business and money and New York City and opportunities. While I, I interpret Kawhi... As coming here for a different reason. See, I do, th- but as I, me- as I mentioned before, I do think Durant wants to go somewhere where he can lead a team to the title, and it's his team. I think there's something about, I think there's something about being in Golden State and being the best player and not being recognized as that that has to be very frustrating. But do you for think him. that he can go to a team in the New York Knicks? Even if they add Kyrie and win a championship. I mean, they're trying to build a roster. They have maybe one or two guys, two or three oh, guys. The roster's not say. even close yet. I, I love Mitchell Robinson. I think he's a hell of a player. Right. We'll see about Kevin Knox. I'm not sure what Damian Dotson is right. when you put him away. on a good roster. They're very far away. Oh, you're so not even... he didn't get to be the guy, but the guy for what? Well, the, that well, that, they have to put the pieces around him. It's just not. It's just not going to be him. He's 31. It's not going to just be him and John Morant. I, I understand that. It's going to be him. Uh, Kyrie Irving, obviously then they're... The lottery pick. The lottery pick. And I would make the assumption that if Durant and Kyrie are coming... You'll get other guys. The Knicks are going to fill out the roster, just like the Miami Heat always did when they got Wade and Bosh. All right, let's put people around. Let's put shooters, spacing, pointer. They'll figure it out around them. So I don't think that Durant would just be coming to the Knicks uh, without other pieces. But but I think it's important for him to be the guy that wins a title, and it's on his terms. I, okay. So you think he's definitely leaving the Warriors? I think he's definitely leaving. And you think he's definitely coming to the Knicks? I would be stunned at this. What is he? What is it at Golden State that he has left to just just win more titles? And I and I just think I think for the modern day NBA player, it's about a different journey and a different path. Fair enough. Um, assuming this doesn't happen, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, to the Nets. The guy I've been fantasizing yeah, about. Here we go. Is Tobias Harris. He's just a perfect fit for this team. Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Yeah, that's how uh, the uh, PA little, announcer. A little more energy if he was a net. Yeah, they'll be, when he would hit a big three. Tobias Harris. I can't get. I'll be in the shower and I'll just like, you know, wash in my body and just be like, <laughs> Tobias Harris. <laughs> so, like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> that's a weird thought. It is, it is weird. I've been I, saying it everywhere. I thought when he got traded to Philly, ah, crap, the dream is I done. Because what I loved about him being on the Clippers is that the Clippers are going to be so chasing Kawhi, may end up with him, chasing Durant, who knows, maybe Great end point. up with him, yep. that he'd be gone, that Tobias would literally leave the team he's with, sign somewhere else. Philadelphia wants to re-sign him. 
They yeah. have made no bones about it. And I just wonder for a guy that has been on so many different teams, and there's no good reason for why he's been on so many different teams. It's not like he's a bad guy. No. I'm fearful that he's going to say, well, it's Philly. It's close. I'm good. If I, I mean, I can't get it in his head, but if they have a big run here and they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I can get big money. We have a chance to win here for the next five years. Why not say? I mean, everything lines up unless, you know, it's important for him to be home, right. be close locally. I think there was something on, this is one of the Nets games on my nine, like his 90-something-year-old grandma's from Brooklyn. Right, yes. I think I'm right, and she came to the game. Like, if that stuff matters, maybe he likes Kenny, he likes the culture. But you're right. It's just such a nice setup for him in Philly. You nailed it there. When he got dealt from the Clippers to the Sixers, that was a big blow to the Nets organization. Well, I'll tell you this, too. If he left for whatever reason, I I would say the Nets are huge favorites to get him. I mean, I don't think he's going to go to Memphis. I don't think he's going to go to Dallas. And those are some of the teams that may have interest in him. I definitely think that if, for whatever reason, maybe he doesn't like his usage in Philadelphia, maybe he doesn't love Coach Brown, maybe he hates Jimmy Butler, and they re-sign him for whatever reason. If he decides to leave, I'd actually be very confident that they'd end up with him. And he is the the prototypical player that they need. Now we're at the realistic part of the podcast. The mm-hmm. the fantasy session is over. And Tobias is that number one, to me, number one realistic target out there. And if they don't get him, the number two realistic target, and this one's tough, is Aaron Gordon. And the problem with Aaron Gordon is that you've got to go out And you've got to trade for him. That's the problem. And unlike adding a free agent where you don't have to do anything, you just literally give the guy a lot of money and that's it, that's the biggest concern and that's the biggest worry. How much would you be willing to give up for Aaron Gordon, who's only 23, 24? How is he only that old at that age? How is he that young? Because when these guys come out of college after only being there for one year. He's an Uncle Drew. Yeah, I mean, I figured he'd be older. He's going to be 24 years That's old nuts. in September. And he's not hes not as good as Tobias Harris. I mean. Yeah, but here's the difference. He's just, he doesn't have, he's, he's not as reliable as Tobias Harris. Well, Maybe here, that's the word. Here's the thing about Aaron Gordon. Every year, maybe not from last year to this year, he's gotten better. He is a player that's progressed in the first five years of his career. Yes. And you just wonder, on a talented roster in Brooklyn, with a head coach that, say what you want about Kenny Atkinson and his inability to call a big timeout, they have been great at what? Developing players. Yes. I look at what he did the last two years in Orlando. I see very solid numbers. I see a guy that can hit threes. I see a guy that can rebound. I see a guy that can do a lot of stuff. He's better with the Nets. He's He's better. He, um... He couldn't shoot when he got in the league. He was just Correct. a freak athlete that was obviously could jump through the roof and dunk. 35% but he from three this year. that three-point shot. You make a good point about him with Kenny. I'm sure he, they would do that. Now, you bring up the point of how would they get him. I mean, the first name I, th- I thought of was, I guess, Spencer. Yes. Looking at contracts and talent level. Now, from the Orlando perspective, they have all of these forwards and centers. And, exactly. Uh, Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac. That deal makes sense. Now, you may have to throw more in I think, there. I, th- I was going to say, I think as far as player A to player B, I mean, Gordon's way better than Spencer right now. And, and, well, they're very and different. They're I very mean, different. But I, but I would – Aaron Gordon's a better basketball player. I, I think I, Aaron Gordon fits the Nets right now better. They have other guys – that can play the role of Spencer Dinwiddie yes. on. And I love Dinwiddie. He's my favorite net. I don't say this lightly. I say this realistically. I mean, if I could just get Aaron Gordon for free, I'd say, great, let's go get Aaron Gordon for free. And but I get, understand you got to give up something. Right, and when you have Karras, and if, if you were to sign D'Angelo back, 
those two are more than enough on a team that's capable of winning. Where you, ra- I would feel better about having two good guards and one good forward as opposed to three good guards and no forward. Well, and the other thing is two ideas. One is extreme. The other one is realistic, under the radar, and I think you'll like it. Number one is this idea. Now, I know this probably eliminates Aaron Gordon, but this idea that the Nets have interest in Kyrie Irving. And I don't love Kyrie Irving. I think he's a great I think he's a oh, tremendous yeah. talent. I want to make that clear. So when I say I don't love him, it, I, I absolutely respect what he does on the court. I worry about things. I worry about his health. I worry about his attitude. It seems like he's always miserable, always looking for his next location. Uh, and health, which I'm saying twice because it's that important. If you want to sell me on bringing Kyrie in and keeping D'Angelo Russell, I'll listen because then trading Spencer Dinwiddie well, have to. Makes, oh, makes a ton of sense. Out of the four of them. No, no, absolutely. But if that's not the realistic answer, I'll give you a free agent. Well, let me, can okay, I, go ahead. I, want, I, want, yes. I want to interrupt you real quick and please, ask you this. Please, thank How you. do you think Russell and Kyrie would mesh? Two no ball-dominant guards. <laughs> no idea. I don't know if that would work. I mean... Like, realistically, would they just watch each other? Like, hey, Kyrie, you got this one. I got the next. All right. Like, I I just have a hard time envisioning them together. Do you think that Dinwiddie and Russell, since last year, have gotten a lot better playing together? Absolutely. Okay. So it's with time and learning and and a will to do it, too. Yes. The difference is Kyrie's a different level. No, no, absolutely. I think what's really important is communication. I think that Sean Marks, during this whole process, has to communicate with D'Angelo Russell because... We can't just sit here, and I know we have over the last 30 minutes of this thing. We've assumed D'Angelo Russell's coming back. We can't do that. They may renounce his rights. They may sign and trade him. They may let him go, especially if they're chasing Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, we have said we prefer to keep D'Angelo, but I honestly think just he leaves, they would let Russell go if it meant adding Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I believe it. I remember the first podcast we did, the Nets season preview podcast. And right. I said on there, if the Nets bring back D'Angelo Russell, something went wrong during the season. <laughs> and I think back to that quote a lot. And, I, and I, I, I don't know how to interpret it now because obviously he had a great year. He's an all-star. He, he far um, went past our expectations, everybody's. He, he was fantastic. He led the Nets in so many games. But, I mean, if they didn't bring him back because... Kyrie was coming, and then part of me still doesn't quite trust him ultimately. Well, but, but I, I remember, get, I still this. get a little. I'm still a little nervous when he's out there. Like, You're talking about D'Angelo? Yeah, you don't trust him fully. Like I still feel calmer and safer when Spencer was in. Mm. Still, I don't, I don't, but I know he made ridiculous shots. I mean, the Sacramento game, the Houston game, the Orlando game. The Laker game. You I mean, what? he was unbelievable. So I feel bad even saying it. Well, no, I think it's fair because usually when you have to make a decision on a player, restricted free agency, you've seen them for multiple years. And so you've formulated this view on him. We've really only seen D'Angelo for one plus year. Last year turned out to be a wash. He missed a big chunk of time due to his injury. And so we never really, I remember coming into the year, we both said, I, I don't know what D'Angelo is. He's got a lot of potential. I'm not sure. So we've only seen Russell do this. And I can't even say the full year because earlier this season, Kenny was benching him in big spots. So we're trying to make a determination on handing out a max contract to a guy that we saw play at an all-star level for 55 games. Ugh. That's what we're doing. Yeah. 
and it's risky, but he also can get better and better and oh, better. I know he's a baby. And just remember this. The only way I think the Nets move on from Russell is if they are getting these elite free agents. I don't think they're moving on from him to just move on from him. How do you think he would – maybe this is a dumb question. He would be fine. But I, I wonder him and Durant, I guess, just oh, more I, star I, power. There you go. I think he'd be thrilled. But, by the way, one guy I want to throw at you. If you forget Durant, Kyrie, all that. If you trade Dinwiddie. He's very different than Dinwiddie, but I love this guy. He's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Patrick Beverly is a free agent. You that, talk about a pain in the ass point guard who can defend. That would be a very interesting point guard target I, if they're moving Dinwiddie. I want to add Beverly, and I want to get Tucker from uh, PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker from Houston, and just have them just beat the crap out of people. Yes, well, I like those. I like those two players a lot. I think good teams need guys like. No, that. absolutely. Yeah, Beverly's great. Um, I don't know if I. I don't think I could take him over Spencer because Spencer's a net. And no, I like no, the way I'm saying Oh, you're saying add him on. No, no, I'm saying if you're trading Dinwiddie in a deal for Aaron Gordon. I mean, we... It's fair. You may have to use some players you don't want to use as chips. If free agency doesn't work out, it's not like, oh, well, that didn't work out. No, there's other ways to improve your roster, and that's one of them. Then Ed Davis comes back. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, Damari Carroll, forget Ronde, he's gone. I think we know that. <laughs> just said it like, your shoulders are he's gone. He's gone. We, <laughs> come on now. Okay. Yeah. I think those three guys are all dependent on what else they do. Right. So, Dwayne Dedman would be a great target. Seven-footer, backup center who could shoot from Atlanta. And every time he hit a three, he put his, I, I believe, his hand to his, his, hand like to his phone. ear like a phone and was looking at the bench like, <laughs> he wants to come. I don't know if that was a Nets thing. I didn't watch enough, enough Hawk games to, to know if that's know. like his his thing. He knows or did he, he want to be a Nets? I don't know. Maybe. He's a good, he's a, look, this is the, we went from the fantasy to the, hey, really good players to the, hey, let's add some pieces. <laughs> Trey Lyles would be another guy. He's a restricted free agent from Denver. Yeah. Big guys that can shoot. Yeah, this is, we're probably down the realistic path. <laughs> Nikola Miritich. Yeah, I don't know. He's not coming. <laughs> I like the Trey Lyles feels like he's a net. I think I think that's you're right. He does. Oh, you know, in Denver and Mike Malone, they have such a great <laughs> system. He'll fit in so well here. And yeah, that that's how I don't happening. say these guys no. as if they're the number one guy they add. More like you have to fill out a roster because we were asking. You just asked about right. these veterans tomorrow. They have all these draft picks too. They're not going to use all of them. I mean, there's no way. See. I assume, and I don't know with who, I don't know for what, I definitely think he's packaging the pick with Alan Crabb to create more He's going to try. He's going to try. He's going to try. I think he should be able to because I think about what the Nets were doing for a bunch of years. Right. There will be teams out there that say, yeah, I got a free draft pick out of it just to take on a – and remember, Alan Crabb's not signed for five more years. He's only signed for one more year. No, it's a, it's a team in a spot like the Nets used to be that's a perfect, perfect trade to get an asset without doing anything. Yeah, I mean, there are – Interesting free agents to look at, but the other thing to keep an eye on, the Nets have cap room. So even if they don't use it on free agents, you can use it not to take back more bad contracts for picks, but to take back big contracts of players that teams don't want anymore. I don't think they're going to do it, but I've always thrown out the idea of Blake Griffin. If the Pistons realize we're stuck in purgatory, we're not winning anything, Blake always does get hurt, which is a concern. Always hurt. But that's reliable. Blake Griffin fits this team. He does. The Nets have hit a different threshold with their offseason it's no more of it's now at the point where they're looking to win they're looking to add pieces and we've seen Sean Marks be brilliant brilliant in what he's been able to do to get this team from when he took over to where they are now as a 42 win team and he's been and he's done an excellent job in scouting talent and picking late in the draft but this is the first time it's going to be him 
with options, with cap room, and with a lot of different type decisions to make. I mean, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's a great point. Sean Marks has built this team in a way in which there was no pressure. I'll take on some bad contracts. I'll bring back some aging veterans. Maybe I get something out of them. He did with a few of them, like Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley. Yep. I'm going to draft smart, which he's done. He drafted Karis Levert. He drafted Jared Allen. He found guys off the scrap heap. Joe Harris, Spencer didn't. Rodion as well with the draft Rodion in the second round. We'll see about Musa next year. He's done a fine, fine job. It is a very different animal now. Because now you've got a 40-win team, 42-win team that's got to get better. Because the expectations next year... And I don't want to hear, well, it's a five-year plan. That's year four. No, no, no. It changed. It changed. Plan changed. Next year, the expectations are high. If they don't do anything significant, Mm -hmm. just the small moves, what's your expectation next year? 50 wins? Small moves doesn't include, like, the addition of uh, Tobias. No, that's not a small move. No, I know. I just want to make sure. I'd say Trey Lyles. (laughs) And Dwayne Dedman. If it's basically the same roster, who knows who they draft. I would say this is the team that's going to win – I would I would be shooting for 46 to 50. I agree. And I think that's all you need to know. And I give it that broad range because so many different things can happen. They need to be better, though. And Russell's back, though. Right. No, no. The same roster. Like, the same roster with slight additions. My thought is this is a team that's got to be in the high 40s. The internal growth from Karras. Correct. Allen. Yep. Those two in particular need to take next steps. Rody. Rody. And Moose is going to play. And Moose is going to play. I think you're going to. I think Jared Allen's going to have a really good year. I hope so. I really do. But that's where we are. That's why, as much pressure as it may feel in this offseason, and there's a lot of it, especially with the Knicks right down the block, this is a team in a very good situation. So even if we strike out in free agency like we fear, this is still a team that better be a playoff team next year. We'll do a few more of these podcasts as we get closer to free agency. Maybe our mood will change. This is kind of like our first look at the NBA offseason. Can we do one post-lottery? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I know why you want to do that, even though we're not in the lottery. Thank you to Mike Baseglia, the producer of Taz and the Moose Thank you. on the CBS Sports Appreciate Network. It. I will do, and I'm going to be fair about it, believe it or not, a very fair Knicks offseason preview with super Nick fan Brandon Tierney. That will air next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.